Oh, Wonder Boy, what is the secret of your powers? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bonus 64. Uh, this is the episode where we are joined by one of our top-tier Patreon guests, where they get to pick any game that they want to talk about with us. And God bless him, he chose a really wonderful little game for us to play today. Uh, the game we have played is Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap, the remake of the classic Sega franchise. And our guest today, returning once again, one of our favorites, uh, CJ Baker. Hello, CJ. How are you? Hey, guys. Really well. Uh, yeah, Cursed Lizard Man, CJ Baker. <laughs> uh, my name is Steve Guntley, uh, for those who have never heard this show. I don't know why you're hearing it now. But sure, this is a weird episode to start on. Maybe it just is. a big uh, Wonder Boy stand. You might Or, be. depending on your selection, Wonder Girl stand. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was a Wonder Girl in this playthrough. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, this nice. is Wonder Girl Woody Siskowski. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that they I, give you that option. I like that the title changes yeah. if you change your uh, your character's gender. God, the presentation there. in this game is so good. It's oh, so my lovely. God. This is, yeah. I love the way this game looks so, so much. I just I'm gonna I'm just gonna gush because like I I played this game for the first time not the remake but the original yeah. Wonder Boy three mm -hmm. on a Master System emulator like three years ago and, yeah. or maybe two years ago and I'm like mm -hmm. holy shit this is one of the best games I've ever played <laughs> like not to just come out of the gate like super hot but like I think that this is like straight up one of the best eight bit games that exist wow. like I think that this would wow. I would put this in like top ten of like between NES, like, in that era. I, I was curious if you were a big fan, because I know when we were sourcing, like, a uh, series that we could possibly do on uh, Ultra 64 DD, you brought up Wonder Boy, right. which is one that never oh. would have... Yeah, occurred wow. to me. It is not, and it, we've kind of been circling it because we did a whole series on Adventure Island, mm -hmm. which is a spin-off sure. of Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy. <laughs> uh, but Wonder Boy is kind of a hard series to pin down. Right, and this know? is the only Wonder Boy game that I have played, and I okay. have now played through it twice, and I really, I know there's there's a new Wonder Boy in this same graphical style and mm -hmm. a remake of Wonder Boy or Monster World 4. Yeah, um, yeah. Which oh, wow. I'm definitely going to play ASAP because, like, this game is so, so good, and what I'm really excited about this episode is Steve and I live in the States, mm -hmm. CJ, you don't live in the States, correct? Uh, no, no, not, not last I checked, no. Yeah, not to your knowledge. Well, have we got a surprise for you? And then we open the door and we are right behind you. Um, but something I talk about a lot in this show is uh, the Sega Master System's essentially non-existent presence in the United States. Yeah. And it's somewhat yeah. ubiquitous presence in uh, other parts of the world. This Because um, I, yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh no! The, I had this, spoke. I had Sega spoke, Sorry, we got we got that lag, that worldwide lag. <laughs> yeah, just just gonna say, I'm I'm so excited that you're bringing this up because uh, I, I'm the Master System was the thing that I had for two, three generations. It was uh, it was the console I had access to, um, and it had a massive library. A, a friend of mine mm -hmm. has a complete uh, Sega Master System library. And Very cool. um, we, we keep talking about doing something semi-constructive with it, but <laughs> sure. there's some real dog shit in there too, Woody. <laughs> well, we, we wouldn't, a, we a, wouldn't know anything trap. about that as someone, as people who have a Wii U podcast, we wouldn't know anything about complete <laughs> collections with lots of dog shit. Uh, yeah. Or the N64 for yeah, that matter. That's true. There's no, there are no bad games on that one. Is there know? any, I mean, I don't think there's any console that exists that's not 
60% dog shit? Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, yeah I would yeah, say that's absolutely. I don't know what console has the highest batting average. I mean, I've said on record Neo Geo Pocket Color a couple times. Has the so highest batting average? There are 30 games on there. They're all pretty good. Okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, again, so I mean, yeah, so it, it is exciting for us to dig into it. This was actually my first time experiencing any Wonder Boy related content. And a lot of that is because this is a series that is really kind of synonymous with the master system. And that is a system that really didn't take off here. So I'm excited to get your perspective on this, CJ, and to kind of go into it. Uh, to, to start us off, I always like to ask, why did you want to choose this game in particular? So I um I discovered the remake fairly late in the piece. Only perhaps two or three months ago did it did it float okay. up to my um my. And this uh, game came out in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a couple of years old now. But it was um as I'd um the the publisher of this Tatemu they um they're developing a really high batting average of great retro inspired remakes. And as I was yeah, looking at really other have. things that they'd had their fingerprints on. Um, I had a great time with the Streets of Rage 4 um, mm-hmm. sequel that they they were heavily involved with. Um, uh, that new Turtles game is out. I don't know if you guys have been... What is it? I it looks I great. Fun. I've heard Shredders. good things. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Revenge Shredders. Revenge the Shreds. Um, and now, <laughs> and then finding this guy and it being a game that is um, just... It's it's like nostalgic heroin to me. This, this game yeah. makes me feel like a like a kid i um i felt like i was sitting back in my in front of my tiny little you know 14 inch crt playing this in in 89 i uh i started playing this at launch and um without having any way to um save a game that this was something that had a a built-in code system that that could allow you to come back and return um, I ended up playing this in fits and spurts for, I, I mean, fully, fully thirty three years now. As I as I <laughs> I rolled credits for the very first time a, about an hour ago, as of this recording. Whoa, so, that's crazy! You know, that's so cool. Um, we feel privileged to be to be in the virtual room with you in this <laughs> iconic moment. So yeah, it's a real it's a real red letter day. Um, but uh, no, I just had such a great time with it as a kid. It blew my mind that something could be um, this lateral as a game. It yeah. was one of the first games I encountered where you weren't just moving from left to right, catching gems. And I'm not here to talk shit about Gianna Sisters, but um, <laughs> this this was my first real, like, holy shit, next level kind of, kind of game. Um, and uh, you know, I didn't have access to things like the Zelda series on Nintendo because, right. um, hey, this was this was Sega Country, you know. <laughs> so oh, so yeah. this was something pretty special to me growing up. Um, I rented it a lot as as a kid. Um, didn't own many games, so to be able to go out and rent something that I could keep coming back to um, was was pretty special. And this remake, um, as you said, Woody, is is pretty spectacular. The the look and the feel of it. Um, well, the look of it is is fantastic for its um, for a twenty seventeen game. It looks um, oh, beautiful, and it's got that great kind of Disney afternoon animated kind of feel to it. But which the... is catnip for me every time. <laughs> if you can make my, a video game look like a cartoon, I am so there. Yeah, it's it's right into my veins as well. And um, but the core game is so perfectly represented and recreated from the original um going as far as to include spelling errors 
from the original credit <laughs> credit reel. Um, yep. And there's good and bad I, in that. You know, it feels really tight, like a like the best of an '80s era platformer. Um, but then you're let down by some of the presentation of the puzzles, like that last castle where you just have to kind of blindly walk through walls. Um, oh it's, yeah. You know, there's things that have aged badly. Like if we had a say a secret tunnel in a game today, you know, gamers aren't uh, uh, we're trained to look for visual clues. But you know, in, in, yeah. the, in the times when your system could uh, could only display, what was it? Would he like thirty odd colors on screen at once? That's, um, that sounds right. Sometimes like you just had to have magical. I, I walls feel like the master system, the master system games were usually much more colorful than the NES ones. Like the yeah. colors usually popped a lot more, even if they looked a little um, sloppier sometimes. Than the yeah, NES I think games. I think there was a trade off right. of detail. Yeah, like yeah, you were losing some specific details, but you had a more vibrant color palette. Yeah. I um I first encountered this game like I own a Sega Master System but like oh, I got wow. it you know probably within the last ten years as mm-hmm. more of a weird curio yeah <laughs> and it's more of like in the U S I think the Sega that's how the Sega Master System is viewed is like people who are into games are like yeah I've I've messed around with it a little bit but it's you know you don't think of it like as something with a ton of classic games and so eventually I just looked it up and I'm like all right, what are sort of the big games to play on Master System? And this game usually came up on some of the top lists, so I oh, yeah. played it on an emulator. And for, so, for a lot of sort of quote-unquote bad systems, which I think, f- fairly or not, is the reputation that the Master System has in the United States as it, kind of a failed kind system. Kind of a failed system, yeah, um, yeah. Because it was in the United States. Like, often those top games for that system tend not to be great. They're just like good for the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and framed in the context of their time, they're okay. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think this game, when you play it on an emulator, even in the original graphic, like, actually, I want to clarify something real quick. Even though we're technically talking about the remake right now, the remake is so true and accurate to the original game mm-hmm. um, that. It's it's really the same game as the yeah. ni- 1989 one. Absolutely, like, it's a very faithful. Port. There's a you can press the triggers to go directly to the retro graphics or the retro music, and your character like the game does not pause in any not way. At all. There is Seamless. no gameplay difference between them, which I love that, and yeah. it's a, I think it's a testament to the presentation of this game and how fun it is that I will play in both graphical styles and forget that I can switch to the other mm-hmm. one because I'm just so engaged with the game. It's, it reminded me of what they did with the the Monkey Island remake that they did a couple years ago oh, where yeah. you could switch back and forth between original graphics. Because it, it and really works press. both ways. Like, yeah. it's a beautiful graphical remake, but I think it's quite good-looking game from 1989 yeah. and has, like, a lot of retro charm. Uh, um, yeah, they did, they did and, great and I, with, the, with the art direction with what they had. Um and yeah. and you guys have both just nailed it. The Master System has so many fantastic, um, really wildly colourful games that just really succeed visually when they lean into the limitations of the system. So you get big, bright, chunky characters, and you don't kind of get caught up trying to emulate the fine detail that you that you could get away with on the Nintendo. And this does a really yeah, good like job of doing that. Yeah, like platformers platformers on the master system always felt a little bit slipperier and i think part of that is Mm. due to the um the master system controller like the master system controller kind of objectively sucks 
Um, oh, not kind of at all. It absolutely objectively <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it's um, terrible. Because I believe that Nintendo at this time had a trademark on the D-pad. Is that the case? Oh, yeah, yeah. they um, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the four-directional D-pad. So to sort of get around that... Was that was a Gunpei Yokoi jam. Yeah. yeah ah. um, Sega made this thing that's kind of like... It's still... You can feel the contours of a D-pad, but it's this very squishy kind of oval Yeah. Um, that is very hard to be precise mm. with. And I think that this game... I think if I had... When you play this game, and if we time warp back to 1989, I think a lot of the issues of this game become more of an impediment, similar to trying to play the original Metroid in 1989, and you have, like, you know, four paragraphs of a password you have to write down. Oh, yeah. And then you, and then you have to try and remember where you are. Um, whereas here, in the remake, or if, you know, you play it via emulate, like, you're able to just stop playing mm -hmm. and resume right where you are and it feels so you can hold it in your brain so much better oh and absolutely. um well let's let's take a yeah. step back and talk Sorry, about i'm just excited about i am loving the excitement but there might be people listening who are like what the hell is this series well go let's, play let's, it people who don't know <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the sometimes confusing history of the wonder boy franchise so like we said we've talked very briefly about it in the past when we covered the adventure island series on our patreon show uh, listeners may remember that Adventure Island started life as a port of Wonder Boy, a 1986 arcade platformer in which you played as a blonde-headed little hero as he ran around and skateboarded his way over a tropical island to try and rescue his princess girlfriend from an evil wizard or king or something. I forget what it was. It's yeah, some that, kind of evil some, shadowy yeah, figure. We know that skateboards were involved and there was an evil eggplant. And he threw uh, <laughs> tomahawks and stuff, and yeah. it was pretty fun. Oh, that's that's uh, right. And that game was the a, axes. That game was a decent-sized success, and it had a U.S. port on the Master System in 1987, but American players are probably more likely to remember Adventure Island than this title, which was always a little bit more popular overseas. So while Adventure Island continued the gameplay style of the original Wonder Boy for a few more entries, the boy himself started getting a little bit more experimental almost immediately. So the sequel was called Wonder Boy in Monsterland. It was still a side-scrolling platformer, but while the original was all about kind of maintaining constant forward momentum... This one encouraged a bit more exploration. It had a rudimentary inventory system, some light RPG elements. Uh, the boy, who is now called either Brock or Tom Tom, depending on the version <laughs> you played, looks that more sounds, like that. A, sounds like the name of a European comic book. Is the Adventures <laughs> Brock of Brock and Tom and Tom? Tom, -Tom. <laughs> it actually would, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he now is dressed more like a medieval knight than like a feral child, and he's equipped with a sword and some armor. Okay, so this is where things start to get a little confusing. Because in 1989, we get two games that are called Monster Boy th or Wonder Boy 3. One of them is Monster or Wonder Boy 3 Monster Layer, which brings things back to its arcade roots. Now it is, you have a sword, you still have access to other weapons. Also very confusing to have a game called Monster Layer follow a game called Monster Land. Yeah. Yes, yes, very confusing. Uh, so this this is our arcade version, and it kind of went back to the Adventure Island style, where the screen is constantly moving, you have your skateboard back, and you have to fight monsters. Um, but this released almost simultaneously with Wonder Boy 3 The Dragon's Trap, which was developed specifically for home consoles and has a completely different story and gameplay style. This one is an open-world action RPG with non-linear gameplay and heavy emphasis on exploration, and that is the game we're going to be talking about today. 
But things get even more complicated from here, okay? Because 1991, we got Wonder Boy in Monster World for Genesis, which was listed in Japan as Wonder Boy 5, Monster World 3. What? <laughs> so essentially, it split the franchise into two different branches. So we have the Wonder Boy franchise and we have the Monster World franchise, but they are the same series. So if you've seen them both on the shelf, they are the same series. Uh, but yeah, the, the sequel. Yeah, so the sequel. Wonder Boy Five is a sequel to Wonder Boy, notes. but not Dragon Strap. It's yeah. really confusing. Eat your heart out, also, Marvel Multiverse. These guys were yeah. way ahead yeah. of the curve. It's gotten to that point because then in 1994 we get the next game, which is just called Monster World Four, where That's we're dropping because, Wonder Boy entirely. <laughs> right. Well, because you play as a, a female in that game. Yes, like, there is no Wonder Boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that that game is considered by some to be one of the best games on the Genesis, but it didn't oh, wow. sell well, and so both branches of this series kind of died off and simultaneously. I need, I need to go play that game ASAP. Mm. Oh yeah, because um, that game, yeah, like you said, didn't actually get released to the United States until very recently. I think it got really an no, official. I think it did. I think I don't think so. It. I think it got an official translation with the Genesis Mini. I think mm, that was the first that's time what it that is. That You're absolutely up. right. You are absolutely right. Yeah, um, that is what it is. And But that game, I believe, now has a remake in this same art style as The Dragon's Trap. Yeah, that game so. is called, uh, again, uh, for really confusing with the titles, but that game is called Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. So it's not Monster no. Land or Wonder Boy. It's Monster no, Boy. No, you, you are incorrect. Oh, is this a different Monster game? Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom is an entirely new game. That that's like kind of an homage, in, like a spiritual successor. Well, kind of I thing. mean, it has the name, so it's probably, it's probably part of the series. Like, uh, well, I don't know. Okay. I, I couldn't really get confirmation. That, that on I'm that. not sure. That one, but I'm not that sure. is a new. Game, okay, but there but is like, also no, a remake of Number Four. Okay, I wasn't sure that there was a remake. Are we of four out of this out morass yet? We are almost out of okay. this morass. The series has basically been dead in the U.S. for two decades, but it maintained a strong fan base in regions where the Master System was a bigger hit. It was particularly big in Brazil, where it had been reskinned, featuring oh. characters from a popular comic book series called Monica's Gang. So if you know, <laughs> if you're from Brazil, you know this as the Monica's Gang game, but okay. it's really just a uh, Wonder Boy. Yeah, uh, Brazilian fans kept this kind of series alive long enough to justify a 2016 remake of the original, which was released on the Switch and PS4. Okay. And it found a surprisingly big audience enough to justify more remakes and even a proper sequel, which we discussed already. So that leads us to Lizard Cube and Dot Emu. So those are our developers for this game, which came out April 18th, 2017, on pretty much every platform. So uh, Lizard Cube is uh, based out of France, and they kind of made a name for themselves developing beautiful hand-drawn animation. Uh, this is their very first game, and it was enough Ooh. to give them leeway to get uh, the job that you already mentioned, CJ, of developing Streets of Rage 4 which is one of my favorite games of the last couple of years. Yeah, I think rules. it's a pretty phenomenal game. Uh, it's one of the best beat-em-ups I've ever played. Mm -hmm. And uh, they also currently, they released two games this year that are already being discussed as like end of the year, like best game contenders. One of them is Shredder's Revenge, the new Ninja Turtles arcade beat-em-up done in the Streets Fridge 4 style. And the other one is Windjammers 2, which is a really fun little kind oh, of multiplayer I, frisbee game. I didn't know they did the Windjammers. Uh, yeah, cool. They did the Windjammers series, which are so much fun. So a uh, big fan of Lizard Cube and of Dot Emu, who is the another French publisher that specializes in games kind of like this. Uh, so this remake was a bit of a passion project for uh, the Lizard Cube developer Omar Cornute, who grew up on the original, and he wanted to make a remake that was as faithful as 
as possible. So he reverse engineered the code from the original Master System, and he partnered with an artist named Ben Fiquet to create the game's charming hand-drawn animation style. Now, originally the game was going to include skins from Monica's gang from that Brazilian comic strip <laughs> to better represent how more Brazilian players remembered it, but they weren't able to work out the licensing rights, so sadly that feature was dropped. Oh, I would shame. have liked to see It would have been a that. fun curio, for sure. Exactly. Just to explain, like th this is uh, a comic book series that didn't get out of Brazil, I don't think. Uh, this game debuted digitally in 2017 with a limited-run physical version made a few months later, and both of them were a modest success. This sold about 500,000 units here in the States, which makes it far and away the most successful Wonder Boy <laughs> anything, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think once uh, once a lot of these games hit the Switch, that's yeah. where they really shine and end up selling a lot of copies. And that's where I played this one. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it, it obviously... The, the development and uh, distribution rights of this series is obviously pretty confusing, and so it's easy to see why a lot of American audiences just kind of missed it, you know? Uh, because, well, in both cases, I don't think Wonder Boy or Monster World are particularly evocative titles. No, terrible titles. They really don't tell you anything. Like, even Adventure Island, which is a very generic title, gives you a better sense of what well, that game is. gives you a sense is. of the tone. Like, you think island and you see palm trees. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I get the vibe. And what you yeah, this is very islandy. Yeah. yeah. Is Wonder Boy like a magician? A is superhero? He... Yeah. Is, like... he, is he young Wonder Man? It... Yeah, exactly. It's a step yeah, up yeah, from yeah. Alex Kidd, though, guys. You've got to... Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Another highly successful uh, Master System franchise. But they all bow to Kid Chameleon. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, his power set actually makes sense. Well, not really. He's not a chameleon. Sure he is. He just he wears did. hats. He should be Kid Hat. That's all chameleons yeah. are. They're just lizards just that wear hats. hats. <laughs> yeah, that's all they are. Also, can we all agree that lizards that wear hats is pretty cute? They're pretty cute. Yeah. Pretty cute. Lizard Cube that wears hats. Yeah. I bet they all wear lizards. Or well, they all wear hats. <laughs> they, all they all wear, wear lizards, lizards on their hats. Yeah, as is the style in <laughs> France to wear lizards on your hats. All right. Are we done with that boring stuff? Can we talk about oh my how God. good this game is? Yes, okay. we can. Good. Um, so this game does the really fun thing where you start out kind of in your fully powered form right before the last boss, uh, like Symphony of the Night does this. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, it's uh, basically a remixed condensed version of the final boss fight from the previous game. Yeah. Okay, yeah, which is very fun. So you approach this boss who is a dragon. And it looks like things are all going well for your shielded crusader. Mm -hmm. And then the dragon hits you with some magic spell, and you turn into a lizard man. As will happen. Sure. As will happen. It's always a bummer, but, you know, it's just part of life. And then I don't, I, I get the implication that, like, many, many years go by. Just because oh, later in this game, you can visit the castle that you initially fought the boss in. Oh, yeah, and, it's, and it's referred it's to as the old castle and is all ruined. Oh. Um, that's where you find the legendary sword and shield, which were your original sword and shield. Oh, that's interesting. But, you know, the game doesn't really, like, talk a lot. There's not a lot of text or anything. You just no. see that you're a lizard man and you wake up in a town. Yeah, it's, and it's there's... no Elden Ring. It's not that the place isn't sort of <laughs> dripping in lore for you to go and engage right. with. So you can kind of fill in those gaps however you like between, you know, the fun of... of slicing uh slicing crabs up on a beach or uh yep. going through the desert you know it's um it's kind of for you to to make your own um uh make your own meaning around it which which worked well, for me really as a 10 year old 
Yeah. Your goal here is just to restore your human form, and yeah. you need to do that by taking on a bunch of boss dragons. But you are going to take on several other forms e- as you go. Each time you beat a boss dragon, it's 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 the equivalent of our princesses in another castle. Mm-hmm. But it's your human form is at the next boss. Yeah. And so you'll get hit by another spell, which um, so first you play as this lizard man who can breathe fire. And then you get hit and you turn into a little mouse man. Yeah. Who in the original graphics looks like a really small dude wearing a Mickey Mouse hat. Doesn't <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. It was not until I saw the updated graphics where I'm like, oh, it is actually a mouse. It, it is actually a mouse. I just thought mouse. it was kind of like a deformed dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Um, and he can stick to walls and fit through little crevasses. And what I think that this game does so well and it's kind of a thing that newer games are just not really able to replicate Hmm. which is gives you it it, you feel like you are discovering all of this stuff on your own without Mm -hmm. the game telling you where to go Mm -hmm. yeah but since objectively like the world that you run through in this game is not very big like i'm sure if you were to blow it out and see a complete map you'd be like oh that room that world is tiny yeah similar Mm -hmm. to like the original metroid for nes when you like see maps of the whole world you're like that's it that's that's the game i was playing getting lost in for 20 hours yeah um but when you're actually in it in this game like to me this game is just exactly the right size that i can feel like i can hold it all in my head and so when I, you become a new creature, like you become this undersea guy mm-hmm. um, who can swim, and you're like, oh, I remember an area where um, like I needed to swim over something, and mm. then you can kind of go back there. I just think this game does such an excellent job, like better than the original Metroid, of kind of naturally steering you where you need to go next because there's only a couple options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still feel like you're discovering it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it does that really well. I mean, you start in kind of a little Zelda 2-style village, and you can just sort of branch off from there. And sometimes it involves going down into a well or maybe looking to the beach or different things like that. And, you know, there are areas I found that were, like, maybe a little too hard to take on at first. Mm -hmm. So, like, that does kind of steer you towards where you need to be. Uh, But, yeah, it does really just kind of drop you in. And the um the the power system um you know similar to a symphony of the night or a metroid va- or a metroid um <laughs> where you gain new skills to then get access to new areas um the slight twist on this that I think um that I think dragon's trap does really well is that you don't just gain a new power but something is taken away from you there's a there's a cost yeah. to becoming hawkman who can fly but you uh, you're injured by water you know, there's yep. a cost to being the mouse man because, you know, it, it's great being able to stick to walls, but you, you simply can't, you know, deal as much damage as you would like to and you, you're pretty susceptible. So yep. rather than simply being additive, there's this risk reward as well as the, the puzzling on top of that that's really, really fun. And it's it's so it's because of that, it's simultaneously a game that feels like it's built in stages because like once you turn into the mouse man there's no way to turn to something else until you beat like the mouse man world yeah and then mm-hmm. later in the game you hit these rooms um these sort of transformation rooms that you step on a platform and it will let you change forms to the next form and so the final dungeon in this game 
you have to go through kind of using all of your forms. Oh, that's cool. Um, which is just a really sort of satisfying climax. Mm. It's never quite done. It's never quite reaches the layer of feeling like a puzzle of like having to pick which form you need to use because yeah. it's always pretty obvious. It's yeah. Pretty straightforward. But I did learn in this playthrough there is a secret item that you can get, a sword, which I don't know how you would ever discover this in like playing without a guide I had um, that allows you to transform from at one will, form to the other yeah. just like at will, which changes the whole mood of the game because in that final boss, I was able to transform into the bear mm -hmm. um, right before I fought him and I just decimated him because <laughs> you usually have to fight him as a hawk who's much weaker. Yep. Um, but that, that was kind of a fun secret but but you're right and how would you yeah, ever find that without having a guide in in front of you um yeah. i i found that sword yesterday woody <laughs> oh really yeah did you find it with via guide right you didn't just naturally oh, absolutely did there you is just... no shame in having the yeah i had my phone on my lap i could have i could have followed the bouncing ball through this and and i don't <laughs> think the game is any weaker for that um no but, but i probably i probably got 80 percent of the way through this game just from 30 year old muscle memory you know um, yeah. oh as, wow as well so i'm not i'm not going to beat myself up about looking for a guide to get the Tasmanian sword to then no. oh no know, way so that I can just go to my job tomorrow and not have this this game <laughs> hanging over my head again exactly <laughs> I mean and I think it is an interesting kind of drawback to this approach to developing a remake when you're using literally the exact same game you are also highlighting some of the design choices that maybe haven't aged as well. Sure, you yeah. know, like if you were to remake Castlevania 2 these days, this is always my go-to example because it's like there's no, you would need some visual clues to understand, okay, I why mean, am hmm. I getting this jewel and standing in this corner and playing a flute? I think Castlevania 2 is a good example of a bad version of this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point because that, yeah, as beloved as that game is, uh, people are wrong to be loved. It. Yes. Uh, it is bad. Um, but yeah, I, I, so you do get some of the drawbacks. You do get, uh, some slightly more like punishing difficulty than you might be used to in a game like this. Yeah, you get, that, uh, whenever some... you take damage on here, it has that ninja guiden syndrome of you get knocked back very far. Uh, it feels yeah. so it's cheap, not the damage it? that, yeah, it's not the damage that's an issue. It's like, especially on bosses, like they will hit you and then you'll kind of just get stuck on them mm -hmm. until they move all the way to the edge of the screen. And I'm sure that would be something that, you know, if they had made the choice to try and change up sort of the core mechanics at all, they would have fixed that. Yeah. But since, as evidenced, when you can just transform between new and old graphics, they're like, well, they they can't they can't have anything different oh. between the new and old versions. No. The o the only sort of meaningful changes that I found is there are occasional parts where they give you visual clues in the updated graphics mm. that were not there. Um, in the original version. Like, there's a sort of little maze area you have to run through as Mouse Man. Yeah. And when you play with the updated graphics, there is a sign that points to where the exit is. Oh. And when you play the original graphics, there's no sign. no sign. There is also a hidden room that's like a uh, hospital that you can go to where a sexy nurse injects you with hearts. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Um, and if you play with the new graphics, there is a broken sign right above where that hidden hospital is, even though the door is still invisible. And that sign does not exist in the original graphics. Right. Uh, and it's all very minor. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but I think the only other major thing they changed is like the inventory system. You yes. can now cycle through with your trigger buttons instead of having to press select that and open it up. That is way. the only well. Here's funny thing about pressing select and CJ, you can comment on this. To my memory, the master system has no select button. Correct? Like, it certainly did you does have not. to? F- you have to physically press a button on the console to pause the game, right? Co- correct. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, is that true? Oh, no, yeah. I, I don't remember. It's been a while since I played a... So did that mean every time you wanted to go into the inventory and switch your equipment, you needed to press that button on the console? Yep. Yep. Um, and frequently things like that were accomplished through combinations of button presses. So maybe down plus you, uh, they weren't A, B, they were one, two, I think on the, right, on the controller. Yeah. Um, so lots of combinations and things like that um, to, to achieve, you know, something that we've got, what, 12 buttons on the average controller nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah. Much, something much like that. World. And I, I think the, cause a lot of this game is, it's almost the 1989 version, like locked in amber. It's it's really, really um, original and authentic and accurately emulated. Um, so the only other real quality of life tweak that that I think matters is uh, a more generous and forgiving, maybe even just a less punishing difficulty level um, to mm. be able to just just ramp it down to to an easy uh, an easy difficulty level. It, it feels less unfair when you do get stuck on those bosses and you're bouncing into a corner and you simply can't get away from them and can't do anything about it. That's that's less of a, a punch in the mouth if, you know, it's only taking a sliver of health away instead of, you know, two or three hearts every time that happens. So wait, do you think, you think this game has a difficulty tweak to it? Oh, I guarantee it. Ab- ab- oh, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And there is, at least, so I was on the um, Xbox version, um... Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's definitely um, more generous difficulty options available than there than there ever were in the original. The original was here is your difficulty level, um, get good. But is that was that in the option menu or is that just the default difficulty has been changed? Um, no, I like. Did you have to change? A I setting? did have to go and change a setting. Yeah, I oh, did. Okay. I did go oh, okay. looking for yeah. it. By default, it will it will punish you just as hard as the original would. It, and it's it, there's an interesting disconnect when you're playing this remake because, again, we need to really uh, uh, stress how gorgeous this game looks and how beautiful the art style. Like, it, it looks very cartoony, but it doesn't look like a specific cartoon you've seen before. Mm. It's very, like, watercolory and very just incredibly smooth animation. It looks, for all intents and purposes, like a very modern game, but it plays like an old like 1989 platformer. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Like you would expect more features, more combos, more unlockable things like that in in this game. Sure. And it you don't have that. And I'm not saying this is a knock. I'm just saying right. it, there's I mean, a, there's the a basic- disconnect combat mechanic is like your character has a when you're the little lizard man you can breathe a fireball but mm-hmm. most of the time you have a sword mm-hmm. and then occasionally enemies will drop a little magic spell um which is either a short range fireball or like a tornado that travels around the ground an arrow that shoots straight up and you have this sh- kind of zelda 2 style shield where you use yeah. it by not mm-hmm. pressing a button and, and that actually works still. very well it does it's nice to see Shields have always had a weird spot in video games as just kind of 
an extra slot that gives you more defense. Yeah. But it's cool when a game actually finds a way to have the shield block things and make you feel like you're doing something competent with it, which is probably part of the success of the From Software games. Yeah. Where shields feel like they're a very meaningful inclusion to those. I also like any game where you can stab a fireball or a projectile Mm -hmm. that's coming at you to stop it. I don't know why. That's just a weird little satisfying thing. I'm like, hey, yeah, you can't get me. Stay offensive. You son of a bitch plant. And, like, the, the geometry and sort of layout of this area is very weird. Like, you start in this village, and you climb up a windmill, and then you go into a door in the windmill, and then you're like, now you're in the desert! Yeah. And you're like, wait, and I go from the inside of this windmill into a desert, and, like, the sort of last room is just, or the last area is just, like, a door in the sky. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like, this to me... This game has exactly the right kind of pacing, mm-hmm. and it's exactly the right length. This is probably about a four-hour game, yep. um, which is which is probably pretty ch- feels pretty chunky in 1989, especially because if you're reloading those passwords constantly, like there's a lot that's going to take a lot longer. Um, but here, with the sort of smoothness um, to the saving and loading, like yeah, you can go through it in four hours. But like I said, it's yeah. just enough to hold everything in my mind and um, to just flow really nicely. And like this game sort of ends at exactly the right time, which is I'm, you feel like you're really feeling it. And then you get to the last boss and then the difficulty kind of spikes and you die on him once. And then you're like, ah, oh, I guess I'll try again. And you try again and you beat him and you're like, okay, great. It's, I don't know. This game somehow just really clicks for me it's it doesn't overstay its welcome at all um this game is the perfect house guest i uh i had a really good time (laughs) with it um we haven't we haven't touched on the music at all oh yeah but oh um, yeah i think i think again they did such a great job of um paying homage updating and emulating what the what the original team put together out of that out of the god-awful msx sound chip (laughs) um and even that original music, again, it, it punches me right in the nostalgia, but it, it's yeah. it's fun today. Um, and I think the updated soundtrack is is really just next level. Um, for a small team, everyone was really obviously super invested in in making this, um, you know, what, what I think they would have wanted to play w- again when they were 10. Well, the soundtrack has a very similar thing as the graphics, where when you press the left trigger, you'll switch from the retro soundtrack to the modern soundtrack, and it's the same music. Like, it's clearly drawn, like, I don't know, I mean, it seems like someone wrote all this down in sheet music and was like, all right, let's play this same song, but have a much deeper orchestral arrangement yeah. of it. And I, another thing that I enjoy, I mean, that I think is cool is... I don't think that the modern version of it is straight up better. And I don't mean that as like a complaint. Like I'm, there were oftentimes I was playing with the new graphics and retro music and I enjoyed that. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just switch it up and play the modern music. Like it, I love the way you can mix and match the graphical style and the music. And then you just enjoy that for a little bit. And then when you get sick of the corridor style and the original graphics, you, modern up the graphics and maybe go to the retro style of music i just that i don't know that really is just good, fun right? for me yeah it yeah. feels really good i i probably played half of this game in in retro visual and modern music 
because that just it felt good the um the platforming felt felt really tight to me there again i guess because it was uh it's old muscle memory at this point you know and having that that visual style that responsive on the big tv with a with a modern comfortable controller it just it just felt right and good um and i yeah had a, had a blast with it i'm i'm a fan of this like mixed media approach to these remakes and these sequels like that and like uh, uh lizard cube and dot emu are really good at this too because the streets of rage 4 you can bring in you can unlock character models from the original streets of rage that play exactly like the sega genesis version so you are putting yourself at a disadvantage playing that way like uh compared to some of the newer enemies but it's still cool to see those two figures kind of like the new chippendales movie where you're seeing like all these wildly different animation styles like filling the frame at the same time and you know it's a really fun kind of disconnect and i appreciate the mixed media it's really satisfying to play sort of retro homages and throwbacks that are clearly designed by people who are passionate about those games and know mm. how they work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I, you know, I've often will just buy things that look like they are 16-bit or 8-bit, and I usually have a very good time with them. Um, but this is a game that, doesn't just look like it came from back then it scratches it scratches the itches that o- only old games can like to me games on the NES and Master System and you know if you were into like early text adventures or something like that have an air of sort of mystery and unexplainability about what's going on in them mm-hmm. And so you just kind of feel like you have discovered something as you play through them. Yeah. Whereas newer games, and I think this is is a very net net positive overall, Mm -hmm. tend to explain more of what's going on in the world that you're playing Mm -hmm. and sort of work you through it when you get stuck. And again, I think that's a good thing because it makes it more accessible to more people and generally is a more satisfying game experience. Yeah, yeah. But to me, when I find a game that has these old school sensibilities that I'm able to gel with. I'm like, yes, my love of old games is not solely driven by nostalgia. There is something here that is different than the way newer games are designed. And it's fun to be able to have them in my life. Yeah. It's that, that's a perfect way to describe that kind of feeling, Woody. I I think um, it's almost like having, having a key, perfectly fit like that exploration lock in your brain um where you know you're, you're on this this journey of discovery with a with a really limited set of guidance in front of you um and it's something that you know was very much um i think locked in that time from technical necessity but um it it's it's what old games feel like in my heart of hearts and it's it's really nice when one of them one of these retro projects comes along that doesn't just aim for that, but but hits it. And it's it's an interesting place to like kind of introduce this character to uh, uh, new players as well, because seemingly the defining trait of the Wonder Boy series is that every one of them is going to be kind of a different experience. Mm-hmm. Like Wonder Boy himself really doesn't matter because like 
immediately this game is taking away that form. Yeah. Like you have a recognizable hero and you do not get to play as him at mm -hmm. all. You yeah. only get to play as different animalized versions of this character. Your reward at the end of the game is you go back to human form and you can explore, but like your human form has no special power. Yeah. yeah. They're just like deal the most damage. You're like, I don't want to play as this form. This form is yeah. boring. And it's like, it's, it's no, and nobody's saying, oh, look, it's Wonder Boy, that identifiable character I yeah. recognize because he doesn't even look like other games in the Wonder Boy series. Like it, you know, so it almost kind of like doesn't matter if this is the one you jump in. Like this could be the one you jump in on. It'll introduce you to the series and uh, it still won't really give you a good idea of what this series is because there isn't really one thing that it is. No, but uh, it's almost a Tales from the Wonder Boy land type. You know, Wonder yeah. Boy is kind of the Mad Max. He's It's not really about yeah. Max. It's about what's going on in that space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. And I mean, for this game, I don't think it matters because like, to me, this is just like a straight up classic. And if you are like me and you're like on the lookout for like good 8-bit games that are because that I don't know. To me, that's a hard thing to find. It's hard to find mm -hmm. old games that are sort of at, at least at the level of like Bionic Commando, mm -hmm. which is a game I really like, but is about sort of the level that I will still play through an 8-bit game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like sure. Yeah. The be, level of be, kind of like design uh, antiquity. Or, yeah. Or maybe yeah. Rygar. Like Rygar. It's yeah. Some, yeah. It's something around there. And like, this is like an A grade piece of quality from that era. And yeah, I think I that, especially for people in the States, like, you, you're like, it's likely that you miss this one. And this remake is really a fantastic way to play it mm. because it's both super true to the original and has enough, like, graphical polish and new stuff that you're not going to be yeah it's going to stay exciting and i mean how often do you get the chance to discover a game from this era you know like that that hasn't already been venerated and and nostalgified to death you know uh you know it, it's pretty cool and and i like that they gave us this like very slick new package to enjoy it mm. yes yeah, so yeah i agreed completely well, I think that is about all we have on the Dragon's Trap. Have we have we successfully escaped the Dragon's Trap, or are we fully caught in it? I escaped it. I'm fully, I'm still in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I'm at least gonna re-enter Monster World because now I'm real excited about the Cursed Kingdom and the other, the other remake. Because upon yeah, my second playthrough of this game, I realized just how good it is. Yeah, I I didn't realize there were other um sort of modernized um or, or even sixteen bit um sequels that i could that i could go and hunt down so uh yeah i've got some yeah. i've got some recommendations <laughs> well thank you so so much for being here once again it's always a delight to talk to you and you always bring such great games for us to discuss so it's uh it, it's been very exciting um do you have anything you'd like to plug anything you'd like people to know about that you're working on uh, nope nope <laughs> <laughs> well nothing, perfect nothing for me well if that ever changes other, you know? let us know yeah, please do. Yeah, that's a great message. Uh, if you would like to hear yourself on one of these episodes, go to patreon.com slash ultra64pod, sign up at the Wonder Red tier, and you can make us play whatever you want. More more Wonder Boy. Yeah, please. Why not? Make us play more Wonder Boy. That sounds great. I'd like to dig into these more. Yeah. Uh, so ev we will see you next time, everybody. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, Wonder Boy out. Bye -bye. It's fa his famous catchphrase, <laughs> Wonder Boy out. Ha <laughs> <laughs>